Someday my prince will come. Yes. And a lifetime of, of uh, jokes about photo developers. The old joke mm-hmm. about someday my prince will come. It doesn't work anymore because people have their cameras in their pockets all the time and they the do. photos are immediate now and you don't have to wait for your prince to come back from the developers. It just It's not a thing anymore. Anyway, the question was, would people in this day and age, in the here and now, uh-huh. understand the concept of taking a photo with on film, right, which is a little cartridge that you have to plug into your camera, like a like a, an ammo clip into a... a, a like a, a memory stick, only different. A slightly more dangerous thing than a camera, right? Yeah. You could, like, click like that, switch off the safety catch, shoot it at whatever you want to shoot, but then... You have to take the film out, <clears throat> send it to somebody who will treat it with chemicals and make the picture come out. And then they will send you the picture back on, on, on little cards. Uh, and that was what we used to call taking pictures. And you had like, was it 38? 24 or 36. 24 or 36. You I'm get sorry, black was, and white or colour. I was obviously still thinking ammunition then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd, you'd get your 38 special camera. Um, <laughs> no, anyway, yeah, yes, you black and white, black and white film. I remember black and white film. Yeah, only now cheaper than color. Only now, every phone <clears throat> has an awesome camera in it, right? But now you have to install apps to make it do black and white again. Yeah, and make it do like light leaks and things. Yeah, scratches film. Yeah. Like- We've spent hairs on the film and coffee stains and they've spent years and years trying to perfect digital photography so that you can just shoot the thing that you're interested in and get a perfect yeah. rendition of it, right? Yeah. Only now it's like now you can download all these apps to make them crap again like they used to be on <clears> the <throat> cameras. Yeah. Isn't technology weird? Yeah. How do you better do a frith cast? Because yeah, I've been go going on, on for like eight <clears throat> minutes now. Yeah. Might be a plan. And that's only after I started recording. I know. Well, I've got eight and a half, so you're not far behind. Oh, fair enough. You're not far behind. Um, You wanted to talk about some stuff. Probably heathenry related. Well, on occasion. Well, you know. I, just I, I understood that to moon be the Being general... in the right place and why ending the day and, and you know, the, these rare aligning circumstances coming into conjunction really conjunction have i used the right word you 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 have used the right word yeah that you or you could have a confluence of circumstances then i might talk about heathenry if you wanted to yeah do you want a confluence of circumstances i might do i'm not sure i can fit it on my business card service tax and some lettuce call it a concert concert or 
if you want to be thorough, you could say a confsirk, <clears throat> but it doesn't flow quite so well. That's like one of those desks they have at hotels where a helpful person on, isn't it? A conf a concierg. <laughs> <laughs> I always think of them as an MC. It's not they're not an MC though, are they? There's somebody in the dining room. The MC. <clears throat> That's a maitre d. Maitre d. Not the MC. No. The MC, of course, is the main character. Yes. Or the DJ. This is going all a bit sideways. Would, was there something you wanted to talk about heathenry? Possibly. For? Have we got one of those com it's going on? Because <laughs> I can't talk about it. I totally don't talk about it that often. But a, I can, you know, on occasion. A conf circ. Yeah. Do it. One of those. We do it. Over to you. Three, two, one. Hang on. I'm not supposed to do that. Are you? When you're doing it properly, you go like five, five, four. Hello, lovely listeners. Welcome around the virtual campfire. Wasn't that professional? That was proper. That was proper, proper radio <laughs> stuff. That was. You could be on the BBBBSEEB. Uh, BBCEEBS. The BBBBSEEB. The BBBBSEEBS. Mm. Now, I could say it in Yorkshire. Go on. Then it'd be all right, thy youth. <laughs> Pin the lugholes back. Hey, up me duck. Hey, up me duck. Settle down is the mashing. Ah. So, yes. Yes. Hello, lovely listeners. Indeed. Welcome around the virtual campfire. Grab a drink of choice. Come and warm your knees. Come and settle in. Come and sit on a log. Squidge up. We've got lots of lovely new people listening and lots of people who have heard this madness before and have come back for a second helping you for second helping this is helping number 78 silly twisted people you (laughs) and we love all of you very very dearly silly twisted boy you you're a silly twisted boy you are so welcome to frithcast 78 my name is suzanne martin i am a heathen with a head full of random knowledge and my name is kate and I have a whole different set of random knowledge, not nearly so useful. Um, and <laughs> I, I am know. not a heathen. Okay. I am a sort of a druidy thing. A druidy thing. Who just happens to live here. Together, we mostly have done Frithcast for 77 episodes, plus some specials. This is episode 78. Welcome aboard. And Suzanne, you are about to tell us <clears throat> what we are going to be discussing this night. Well... This night, day, morning, or other time. Or whenever you happen the, to be listening to it. Whatever it is, wherever you are, welcome around the night, virtual but... campfire. We are going to be talking in this episode a little bit about a specific type of Viking burial. Okay. And the Vikings Specifically did... for dead ones. Hopefully. They get they take <laughs> they take narc if you live the not dead. Yeah. What happens I after got death better. Is... <laughs> it's complicated. I feel better. (laughs) (laughs) You shut up, you're dead. No, I'm not. (laughs) So, yes, specifically for dead ones. Monty Python in Norse. Oh, dear. Do go on. Thank you. Come on, come on, professional. Okay, okay. We okay, are professional. professional. Professional face. Got pop shields and everything. <laughs> we haven't got pop shields. I like pop tarts, but... You can pop tart. Mmm, mm. pop tarts. Okay. <clears throat> Other hot breakfast 
lavering coasted <laughs> things are available for wherever you want them, I'm sure. Ugh. It's like naphtha in a bun. <laughs> that you stick in the toaster and somehow it's... All right, it's edible only in the fact that you can eat it. Whether it's edible in the fact that it's actually nutritious is a different matter entirely. Tasty, but very bad for the Greek Navy. Yes. Mm. Generally, a lot of things were tasty, but bad for the Greek Navy. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to be talking about a time... Are we we actually going to be talking about something worthwhile? We are. Okay, cool. Always, always totally Greek Navy worthwhile. Go on. Yes. Do your thing. 300. That was Spartans, not Greeks. Gayer than Two Man Luge. I would not know, having never participated in Two Man Luge. I'm not saying I have, but I've seen pictures, you know, diagrams. It looks adventurous. It's. It looks bloody skillful. I know that. Yeah. These these things where you look at you might you might be tempted to look at them and think, well, it's just going down, it's just going down it down a thing on a. Because they're in a, pi- a half pipe, aren't they? They're in like they're a, in a half pipe a shoot, a, a, on a, ice on a tea tray. And you think, well, obviously they're you know, I mean, they can't go too far wrong because they're in a pipe. Yeah. Oh no. my crikey! No. Okay. Brave, on. brave so people. So we're going to be looking at a specific type of Viking burials. Mm. We are. It's totally going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally not going to happen. 15 minutes. 15 minutes, everything's fine. Nearly 16, actually. Shush! Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we're going to be looking at the type of burial where the Viking is dead first. It's always a better class of burial when that happens. Awesome. Funerals are higher quality when that happens. (laughs) Where specifically do we find examples of this particular type of burial that you're going to be talking about? This particular type of burial, what happens to... Vikings in the Viking era, people in the Viking era, the way that they bury people is quite complicated Mm -hmm. and it can vary quite a lot. So you get two main types. You get cremation, Mm -hmm. which is where they will take somebody who is deceased and burn the body. Yeah. And generally you will then you might then put the ashes into a pot and bury the pot okay this being there's a word for that isn't there doesn't matter okay you then get an inhumation that was the word i was thinking of so i was um yeah which is where you take the body as it is and you put it into the ground okay so these are your two basic types that are going on during the viking age but then there is lots and lots of variation And archaeologists get very excited when there is variation because they get lots of shiny things to play with and write papers on and get very, very, uh, mostly very, like, geekily excited over these tiny little bits of rusted metal that they're exceptionally happy about. Oh, yeah, yeah. Being an ex-archaeologist, I know that this is entirely what happens. So what I wanted to do was talk about a very specific type of inhumation burial. Okay. So this is the one where they take the body or bodies and they put them into the ground in a particular way. Right. So there are a number of burials from the Viking and Anglo-Saxon age where they bury them in ships or boats. I have heard of this. Yeah. So I wanted to do a whistle-stop tour around some of these boat and ship burials. Okay. To give you an idea of the variations of the things that can happen, what is going on some of the things some of the mindset behind 
the burial we will never get to. Mm. Some of it we can tell from the objects they might have put in the grave because the dead don't bury themselves. The living do it. This is true. <clears throat> so the way and manner of burial is chosen by the people who are left behind. Okay. Not by the individual themselves. Well, yeah. I mean, unless they've left instructions <clears throat> or whatever. But yeah. Unless they've left instructions. So we're in an age where they probably didn't leave a set of instructions. No. And it's the community that then takes it on themselves to bury that person. I mean, or cremate that person or find a way of in having a funeral for that person. In fairness, and mm. I don't say this with knowledge, <clears throat> I say this just because it's now occurred to me. Mm. And I'm wondering whether it is the case that leaving instructions... I mean, what we, we often find these days, you know, you'll get, you'll get uh, undertakers and funeral directors mm. advertising and, and, and companies that'll be saying, uh, you know, we can... if. You can you can arrange a particular kind of funeral with us, and yeah. we'll, we'll do you know. And, you can and take people, living instructions. You can have a living will. Yeah, and people are always people are always instructions. People are always saying, "Oh, I, I I want to be buried this way, or I want to be cremated here, or I want to be scattered there, and all these all these sort of things. I want to be this kind of coffin and all that kind of stuff." You can do all that, but it occurs to me that that might I don't I don't know, but I wonder whether that is kind of a recent thing because up until fairly recently it was kind of the church decided, especially here in Britain, which has been a predominantly Christian country for a very yeah. long time. The church might the, decide the manner and where you are buried. Yeah, and people would not <clears throat> tend to sort of push out too much because mm. it's like, you know, when people say, oh, I want to have a traditional wedding, it's like everybody knows what that is. Yeah, traditional <laughs> Christian wedding, yes. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, yeah, so I, I, mean, I wonder if back barriers. then whether whether there would be would have been that that scope <clears> for people to say, oh, well, well, when I go, I want to be in a big boat, or when I go, I want to be in such a thing, or whether it would be just this is what our people do, this is what's going to happen to you. Yeah, I mean, there is so much variation in the Viking Age burials. Mm. The Vikings, as a people, cover a huge geographical area. Of course, yeah, they cover a huge chronological time period. They are centuries. So the burial practices and customs were very incredibly between places, mm. between circumstances, between times. So I thought if we go round about half a dozen of these, mm. you might be able to see some of the differences in what's going on. Okay, okay. Where are we starting? I want to start in Orkney. Oh, good, good choice. And I want to start in a little island on Orkney called Sunday. Sunday, yep. I know um, it. Up in Sunday, there was a boat burial found in Sunday, and it's called the Scar Boat Burial. Okay. And you'll see a very unusual item that's come from the Scar Boat Burial called the Scar Whalebone Plaque. We'll put a link into the description. Mm. It's a unique item. It's it's equal has not been found anywhere else. It's not a common thing. It's just this one-off piece of whalebone that's been carved. With two heads looking inwards. I think I've seen that. Yeah, it's almost like a big square plaque with two heads in relief yeah. carved across the top. Yeah, yeah, I've it seen It comes that. from this scar boat burial. Okay. And the scar boat burial, the boat itself is about six and a half metres long by one and a half metres wide. Mm. So it's quite small compared say, to some of the other boat burials we've got. Mm. It's a tiny small. And it's got in it 
a man, an old woman and a child of indeterminate gender. We don't, we've not got enough to be able to tell the gender of the child. And it's quite an odd one because it's got a child in it. I mean, unfortunate. Yeah, you don't often find ship burials with children in Hmm. because it, the current theory is that a ship burial marks somebody who can afford to give away that amount of wealth at their funeral. I suppose when you think, I mean, these these are actual ships, aren't they? These are sailing ships. These are not built to be buried. These are these are these are like replicas of the Osberg ship, which we'll talk about. Mm. Can sail, and the replica of the Osberg ship, which is a massive one, which we'll come to a little bit later. Yeah, she actually reaches a speed of ten knots. Which at the time is pretty damn good. That's not bad. It's not bad. So these are functional ships. Okay, They're and that means just built for the funeral. They're actually a piece of working kit, which is like. vastly expensive. I mean, which is vastly expensive. It's and easy. You're, you're it, taking that out of circulation to bury somebody in. Even now, I mean, I I think <clears throat> I think of a ship, a warship, a trade ship, whatever. But a, you know, I I think of a ship and I think of. I don't know, a, a cruiser, a destroyer, whatever. Yeah. You know, some big Navy piece of work that costs billions of dollars. Big beastie. But, I mean, these are... The, yeah, these might not have been so technologically sophisticated in, 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 in absolute terms, but, I mean, those were... A lot of them would have been kind of the cutting edge of, of, of marine, marine technology yeah. at the time, yeah. Now, the one up in Sunday is interesting because the boat isn't just put into the earth. Okay and then buried, it's actually put onto a, um, a stone-lined enclosure that is boat-shaped that they then put the boat into. Okay. And they put the people in it, and then they fill it with rocks. And then they bury it. So they fill... Right, okay. So they've, they put the people in, the presumably, the bottom of the boat. Yeah. And then some they fill the boat are, with rocks. Yeah, some of the boats that we're going to look at actually have a burial chamber that's been built onto the boat. Oh, wow. So even though the boat is a functional sailing boat, mm-hmm. they build a, almost like a one-room house Okay. over the top of where they put the people and the items and the things. Like the old uh, towers they used to have on the um, triremes and stuff back in the classical period. Mm. And they'd end up... And I think... Um, uh, I have to have to rely to some extent on um, my knowledge of Shogun Two for this. But I'm <laughs> I'm fairly sure the Japanese carried on using like these massive. They basically because they 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 essentially built enormous, great, big wooden castles that floated. Oh wow! Yes. So it was like yeah. it was like a big wooden keep, but it's, it was on yeah. like a. This is not quite a big wooden keep. This is generally across the middle of the boat. So they take the mast out mm. and across. From side to side of the boat in the middle section, they would build a burial chamber or a little room and they would put everything into there. Okay. The Sunday one doesn't have a little room, but it's quite a small boat. It it's is only little, little like thing, six yeah. and a half metres long. Is not, you know, tiny small, but compared to some of the other ones we're going to see a bit later, mm. it's probably the smallest one that's in this collection of, yeah. of groupings. So I want to move on to one at... Port and Ellen Moore. Ellen Moore, yeah. Ellen Moore. Now, this is one that's a bit bigger. 
well, it's a bit bigger and a bit smaller. It's five metres by a metre and a half. Okay. And this is predominantly found... The archaeologists originally thought they got just a big pile of rocks from a field clearance. Somebody had been ploughing a field up and every time they found a rock, they'd just throw it on a pile. Right. So it's, ha ha ha, cunning archaeologists go, oh, pile of deep ritual significance. (laughs) (laughs) Big pile of rocks must be there for some reason. Oh no, goes the farmer, that's just where we throw everything from the field. Oh poot, go all the archaeologists. Yep. They thought they'd got one of these when they first found this boat burial. Okay. What they'd actually got was a five metre by one and a half metre boat with somebody in it. Now, this is a single male burial. And this is again filled with rocks. Okay. So the rocks, the top of the rock pile was what they saw peeking out of the earth and they thought was this... Oh, wow. So it had actually... field rocks, but wasn't. It had exposed part of it the bur- <clears throat> wow just so, imagine you've been yeah. buried right you are deed deed you've been buried in in your boat yeah and you're lying there for what a thousand years yeah and then there's like a uh, you know a bit of a windy day or whatever and suddenly your rocks are doing that your Hello, rocky pile something. is back out in the daylight again yeah. and people are people wow now this is it's quite an odd one, and there's not a lot of data on it that I've been able to find because it's still very, very new. In archaeology terms, it's very, very, very new. So archaeology can move very slowly in produ- uh, producing official reports. Yep, yep. So as far as I can see, the big official shiny report hasn't come out yet. Okay, so we're, we're really new. Really, really new. But this has a shield over the body itself across the chest, which is quite traditional for a Viking male burial yeah to have the shield down the middle it's got an axe and some small items like pottery and little bits and pieces it's also got a spear that they've snapped to get it into the grave okay they've snapped it to get it into the boat because it's longer than the width of the boat and it's width waist so they've broken it to put it in could they not have put it in vertically i don't know the other thing that's really interesting about this is that there's a sword okay and it's described as bent or folded. Now, there are a few swords that I know of where they're ritually bent. I've heard of this. And I was actually going to ask you when you talked about the spear, because I've, I thought it was the Egyptians I'd heard do it. But I mean, it, I suppose it could be different, lots of different peoples. Yeah. Or it might it might be that I've mistaken it and mistakenly remembered it as the Egyptians. And actually it was the Vikings. I don't know. But there is this idea that you have to kill the weapon. Yes. In order to get it into the afterlife. Yeah. So that it can be of use to the person who's died. Yes. Yeah. And this is... So, so is to this bend a ha- sword. Yeah. yeah. You will find bent swords that have been offered, especially in water courses and lakes. Okay. There's swords... Thames Scramsax is one that was found out of the River Thames. Of course, yeah. That was dredged up. It's Anglo-Saxon. It is gorgeous and I'm very fond of it. But there are bent ones as well, ones where the sword has been bent at 90 degrees or it's been folded. Mm. And this grave has a bent sword in okay. it and a snapped spear. So is he taking the spear into the afterlife with him or was it just a practicality where they couldn't fit it in? So they broke it and kind of just poked it in were with they, anyway. Were they like, well, this has got to go <laughs> horizontally. Yeah. But it won't fit, so we've got to break it. Yeah. But you say it was only, it was five metres, this boat. It's five metres long, but it's only one and a half metres wide. One and a half metres wide. I mean, that's still... It's about the no, same not... size as the Sunday one with yeah, the triple no, burial. If you, you'd be looking at like at least two metres, wouldn't you, for a... 
for a, for a human. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Potentially. Well, potentially, if you you know you you you've got a a guy and his spear is going to be probably longer than he is. Yeah. So there's thought. there's a lot of the opening sort of salvos of is this a merchant and not a warrior? Right. Because of the items that are with him. There's very, very few what they call very personal items. Okay. So there is a short knife, but you can find those in a lot of graves. Those little kind of pocket knives, eating knives, kind of like little six-inch blade working tool knives. I was going to say they're basically the cutlery, aren't they? Yeah, so you've got one of those in here, but you don't have a lot of other items. There's a brooch pin, but that's it. Okay. There's none of the rest of his personal what you would sort of see as his personal kit, his personal gear, apart from his weaponry. But he's buried with a spear, a shield, a sword, an axe, a little tiny dobber eating knife, just to make sure. And all of this kit's going in, but there is a current understanding that, you know, there is a an exploration of whether he's a merchant and not a warrior. Okay. But he's got a lot of war But he's, he's tooled up. I mean, he's, he's got... He's he's doing a lot of tooling up. Yeah. Yeah. But again, it's another boat that they've filled with rocks. Okay. I want to take a little bit of a sideways look at an Anglo-Saxon. Okay. One. Now... That's completely out of our wheelhouse. It's always. <laughs> so this is an Anglo-Saxon cemetery at a place called Snape. Not that one. Not that one. Not that one. Different Snape. Different Snape. This is a boat... That's 14... You had to go and sever us from that story, didn't you? Oh, God. I can't take you anywhere. <laughs> I cannot take you anywhere. Sorry. That was bad. That was bad. That was bad. That was really bad. It was really bad. Carry on. Okay. This is a boat that's 14 metres long. That's sizable. By three metres wide. That is sizable. It's quite kind of... You know, you've got... You've got a bit of a space to do a bit of a twirl on this yeah, one. Yeah. It's a bit of a beastie. You've got leg room. You've got a, an awful lot of, yeah, you know, all your leg room and headroom in this boat. It's again what they think is a male grave. Okay. And they're not sure because at some point in the past it was robbed out. Right. So it was found. They dug a, probably a vertical tunnel into the grave, grabbed all the shinies, disturbed everything that was in there. And scarpered with all the shiny bits. Um, so what we've got left are the bits. We are a family broadcast. Yes. Am I allowed to call them a bunch of no good thieving shits? Quite possibly. That's all right yeah. then. Entrepreneurs of a different age. Yes. Yes. Now, what they did leave behind were two spearheads. Okay. So the understanding is, based on the spearheads alone, that this was a male grave. That... Uh, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. It's a bit of a leap of leapiness going on it, there. there. There is a... Cough, BJ581, cough. Well, never mind BJ581. Okay, fine. But I was going to say, even, you know, it, it, it's it's a bit of a reach is all I'm saying. It's... It is. It's been tentatively ID'd, ID'd as male. Mm. It's got a very nice signet ring okay. in there that they found. And the remains of a glass claw beaker. Viking glass, there isn't a whole lot of it. Mm. You don't get very much that I know of. You don't get very much surviving. Okay. If you really want to go sort of somewhere utterly mad extravagant, we're going oh, to go to the Ukraine. Uh, 
Lovely place, I'm told. Yes. Some really cracking Viking graves in the Ukraine. Yeah? Yeah. And there's one called the Black Grave. Okay. Now, as the as this goes, it's kind of a huge, ostentatious mound burial. It's massive. Mm. They've got a double-made male burial cremation in here, and they're... The tentative theory is that it's a father and son. Okay. Now, they build a huge big mound, and then they have a feast on top of the mound, and then they put the deceased in their cremation places on that surface. Then they build another mound on top of that. That sounds fair. It's pretty big. It's pretty big. We're going to put some links into the, the linky place. Go find them where you usually find them. <laughs> lovely lovely new listeners, head to Podbean. There's, there are show notes. There's non-committal. Well, just, um, most of them know where to find. Well, them we here. say Podbean. I mean, it is. It is. A, we are actually on a couple of other platforms as well. It's just we're we not are. sure what they are. We are, and sometimes the content gets copied across. But the show notes, the original show notes, are on Podbean. Yes. Yes. So, we're going to head to Vendel. Vendel in Sweden. This is not to be confused with the guy who lives in the swamp with his mum. No. 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 Still need to know what her name is. Is it like... Angelina. You know, Tracy. No. <laughs> it was Angelina in gold paint. I know this. <laughs> Samantha Vendel. She wasn't in gold paint. Care of they, swamp. They CGI'd her. Samantha Vendel. Yeah. Vandals. We've worked it out. Have we? Samantha Vandals. I might have got confused there. Slightly. Um, Vendel is in Sweden? Yep. Okay. So Vendel has a church and a graveyard. Mm -hmm. And on the southeast corner of that graveyard, there are 14 graves just inside the boundary of the graveyard and outside it at the southeast corner. Okay. Some of those graves are in nine metre long boats. That's big. Yeah. So you're like, you're going from kind of six and a half metres at, at Sunday yeah. to a nine metre long boat. Yeah, we're, we're talking bigger bigger boats. We're kind of talking... The sort we're going to need. <laughs> a little bit big here. <laughs> we are going to need a bigger boat. You've got a bigger boat. <laughs> Dig the hole for it. Put the boat down and then you've got to cover it over. And then, we're, yeah. Mound grave. So some of those burials are in nine metre long boats. Okay. The helmets from graves 1, 12 and 14, Don't Yell House, are very close stylistically to the Sutton Who helmet. Oh, the big elaborate gold shiny one. The big elaborate gold shiny one that is in pride of place in the British Museum. It is, yes. And it has little square plates on it with warriors fighting each other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Some of that stylistically, some of that artwork style is on these helmets from Vendel. Okay. And the shield from the number 12 grave is also very similar to the shield from Sutton Hoo. Right. If we bounce over to Sutton Hoo, Sutton Hoo is a 27 metre long ship. I'm sorry, how long? 27 metres. 27 metres? 27 metres. Well, that's... Yeah, and Sutton Who has all the shinies. It certainly does. It has apart a from those, serious what, what, amount of shine. Apart from those, what have been taken out and put in the British Museum? Yeah, I like them in the British Museum. I get to go see them 
Who was that? In the British Museum. Who was that talking about the British Museum? And they just, they just said, like, the world's biggest evidence locker. Yeah. <laughs> it is the world's biggest evidence locker. All, all, the, things, all the things the Brits have stolen over the years. It's somewhere I can go and quite happily spend days of my time. There is some beautiful stuff in there, though. From Sutton Who, there is a phenomenal amount of goods. Mm-hmm. So whereas you look at the burial at Sunday and the grave goods there are very, very minimal, apart from this whalebone plaque, which is hugely unique and isn't even found at Sutton Hoo. Mm. At Sutton Hoo, you have the helmet, the shield, huge big drinking horns, vessels in metal that are massive plates, massive bowls. The christening spoons of Saulus and Paulus are in there. Yeah. There's an incredible amount of... cooking gear, tripods, everything that he would need in his afterlife is in that grave. Proper tripods. Proper tripods. The, like the sort, that, the sort that chase you across France all the way to the White Mountains. Well, you know, if you've got to do it, it's a hobby. <laughs> so, last boat burial. We're going to just touch on very, very briefly. Okay. I'm going to look for the last one at Osseberg. Osberg is the one I've I have I have most often heard of. And we've done a lot of burials. Sutton who is difficult because there's there's conjecture that it's it's a man. Yeah. It's obviously a man with a lot of bling. Yeah. Because he can afford to take all of that stuff out of circulation. And remember for the Vikings, like things like the Havamals say you've got to share your wealth. You, a rich person has to cascade their wealth down to keep the loyalty and keep the connections between people. Ah. He's taking all of that wealth and burying it. Trickle-down economics. Yeah, moving on. Okay. So, Osberg. Yes. Osberg. 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 Okay. Osberg burial is a double female burial. Okay. Okay. So... This boat is 21 metres long, so it's just shorter than the Sutton Hoon. still damn big, though. Ship. Bit big. Huge, in fact. So it's 21 metres long by 5 metres wide. Okay. Comparing that with Sunday, which is 6.5 metres long by 1.5 metres wide, <sighs> you could turn the Sunday ship sideways and pretty much fit it into the Oseberg ship. So this one, double female burial. Okay. And the older of the two women is around 80 years old. Oh, wow. And she has arthritis. Okay. Or had arthritis. The younger one is between 50 and 55 years old. That's a couple of pretty good ages, to be honest. It's not bad. Not bad going, to be fair. Now, the younger one had a broken collarbone. Okay. And they thought originally that was evidence of her being uh, a slave or a thrall that had been killed to go in the burial with the old one. With a broken collarbone? With a broken collarbone. When they examined the bone, the bone had been healing for several weeks before she died. Okay. So, yeah, bit of a kind of a mystery thing going on. So possibly like... <clears throat> um... I don't know, like an infection after an injury or something while she was healing, or...? I don't know. They don't know whether there is a genetic relationship between the two women. Okay. Whether one of them was in servant to the other. Yeah. Whether one of them was royalty and the other was an advisor, but they don't know which way round. Can they not, like, sequence them both? Is there not... 
No, not quite enough. Okay. Not quite enough. That burial was also had a lot of seriously shiny stuff. Mm. So much shiny stuff that what I'm going to do in a future episode of Frithcast is do a whole double episode on the bling from <laughs> Ozerberg because it is amazeballs and I love it. Cool. Okay. So in the bling from Ozerberg, there is a tapestry frame. There's a weaving frame. Yeah. There is tablet weaving with 56 tablets. Wow. Now I've woven... Wow. I've woven with 12 <laughs> and that's hard enough. Yeah. To remember which way round I have to weave and which ones have to go which way round. I think the big, the most I've done is six. Yeah, and it's complicated mm. and it's tricky. Now, this weaving loom has 56 tablets on it. That's a lot. It's massive. And the loom was mid-weave and they'd taken the whole thing and put it in the burial chamber. So presumably it belonged to one of these two women and she was mid-weaving when she died. That's a grim thought. Yeah. Not literally sat at the loom, but she hadn't finished the project when she died. Yeah. So they put the whole thing in with her. Fair enough, she can finish it after <clears> the fact. <throat> well, you know, it's, it's there. Yeah. One of the other items in the Oseberg burial I just want to touch on, and that's the bucket. There's a bucket? There's a bucket. It's okay. one of the smaller items from Oseberg. There's a bucket. Bucket-sized? Bucket-sized bucket. And on the fixings where the handle reaches the bucket, there's a little guy with cross legs. And he's got a very distinctive kind of square quartered design on his body as he's sat on the hinge on that bit where the handle meets the bucket top. Okay. So it's called the Buddha bucket because he's sat cross-legged. Okay. And they thought, oh, he, he kind of looks like a Buddha. So the title, the Buddha bucket, has stuck. All right. But when they looked at the, the stylistic elements of the design, they could trace it back to a design from Ireland and the British Isles. Okay. So it brings us very neatly full circle to back where we started. Back to Orkney. Back to Orkney. Which and, is not in Ireland, by the way. And Britain and yeah. Ireland and the Viking presence, the Anglo-Saxon and Viking presence here, mm. found its way over to Oseberg. Nice. And a bucket. Can I just... Um, am mm -hmm. I right? And if the answer is no, I'm going to feel like a fool and it's going to just... Uh, it's just going to brick wall this piece of conversation. But um, <laughs> am I right that Oseberg was the ship that they built the replica of in They have built Norway? replicas of Oseberg. The, I'm, there was a, the Draken is, I think, the one you're thinking of. I'm not Harold the Draken. No, not the Draken. That's a current one. Mm. Um, I'm thinking of the one that they they built in the 1800s or thereabouts. Oh, is that that's not Gokstad, is it? Is, is it Gokstad? Yes, it could have been actually. Yeah, yeah. But I'm I'm fairly sure. I I thought they'd they'd brought that out of a burial, <clears throat> um, and built the replica ship based on what they what they excavated. Out. Yeah. They did do that. They got all excited in the 1800s. I think it's the Gokstad ship. I'll mm. have to go and double check it and look it up. It was called... I think it was... Was it called the Viking? The Viking was the replica. And yeah. They, they sailed it across from Norway to America. They took it over for the World's the Fair. The World's Fair. Mm. Uh, utterly, utterly mad, beautifully, brilliantly mad, madcap idea. Yeah, well, you but, know. 
also but okay, kind not, of... But not Osberg. No, runs in... They did one in the 80s as well. Magnus Magnuson, I think, did a replica ship in the 80s. Okay, I didn't know that. I'll have to go and check that up because my brain is creaky and it sometimes does all sorts of surreal things to my remembering what I'm doing and where I'm going. But also you've got the Harold Halfargo, the big, the Draken yes. Viking ship, which the replica isn't a precise replica of a ship that they've found, but they've scaled it up. Yes, it's it's bigger than... It's than, much, than it much bigger than any find from the Viking Age. Mm. So, lovely listeners, we're going to drop you the link in that because that has travelled travel some distance with a crew. They have built it in the traditional manner, the clinker built with the rivets. Yeah. And they have built it exactly how it would have been built then, but bigger. Wow. I know. So... I kind of wanted to go around some of the ship burials that we've got just because you think ship burial and you think Sutton Hoo, you think Oseberg, you think the big flash burials with the lots of bling. Whereas an actual fact. <clears throat> Whereas an actual fact, you might get somewhere like the Scar Boat Burial, mm. which is a an older woman, a man and a child buried in a rope full of rocks. It's obviously part of the same thinking tradition. Yeah. You know, looking at that association with big ostentatious burials, you've got Ibn Fadlan's account. Of course. Of a boat burial on the Rus. Where do I see there, my etc. Et that, yeah. yeah. So you've got his account of a boat burial of a chieftain. Okay. Where they... They murdered fill, that poor woman, didn't they? Yeah, they fill the boat full of shinies. They put slave girl in it. They do their thing and then they leave a post up where that ritual has been yeah so you have that account of a chieftain's burial okay you also have the account in beowulf yes you do of beowulf's own funeral i always i always sort of forget um when somebody says i mean i obviously we did i know we did we did beowulf quite early on Mm. um but even now i i find I, i have this sort of automatic kind of blank when somebody says beowulf i think of the bit with Grendel. Yes. I think of the bit in with the, the hall with the... No, that's the thing. Oh, just with the Grendel and the arm and the owie. Yeah. yeah. And that is what I think of as the story of Beowulf. I have to kind of nudge my brain to remember that there's like loads more of it because yeah. there's the whole, the whole dragon thing and, and, and obviously the... the, the his the, funeral the pyre, afterwards. The funeral yeah. pyre at the end, yeah. So yeah, the, his burial takes place on a headland mm. and... So these places that they're burying people, are they burying them where they could be seen from the sea or from the riverbank? Are they putting up a monument or are they making a burial mound where it can be seen from those waterways? Yeah. I mean, granted, in a way it's practical. Yeah. If you're going to take a 27 metre long ship, you do not want to be dragging it all the way inland to bury it. Ideally, no. Basically... Find a suitable burial spot, but then are you expending time and energy because you need it in a particular spot? Mm. And then you're going to bury it. But this is the sort of thing, like you were saying at the beginning, it's, it's like we can't, we can't necessarily get that far into the mindset. We can't because um, we don't have, we don't hold those values, we don't breathe that air, we don't have that society around us no. to understand that... We don't have those cultural was, keys to be able to say this will... To this unlock... Will be, 
half of what we've got we and, can't tell and it's very tempting to sort of i mean like you, you like you guys with, did with the rocks earlier on yes. you know it's very yeah. tempting to sort of say oh yes well we've seen this something like this before and that means such a thing and yeah. it's like well i mean i'd rather your educated guess <laughs> than my wild and ignorant speculation but you know at the same time it's quite easy to to sort of get carried away isn't it I suppose. it's it is very easy to get carried away and each of these burials comes from a different geographical point in time mm -hmm. a different chronological point in time but they're all sharing particular characteristics they've all got parallels not necessarily with every one of the others yeah but with one or two of the others and there's enough for you to think there's some kind of shared understanding mm. behind this practice. There's some kind of reason why they're choosing to do this with certain people. Yeah. Certain people are just buried. Yeah. Certain people are cremated. Mm -hmm. So these practices are all going on at the same time. What was it that singled out these people that get a boat? <clears throat> yeah. Even if it's only a <clears throat> five metre boat. Yeah. If it's like a fishing boat. Yeah. Or if it's like 27 metres of kind of limo equivalent, what is it? What's the reasoning behind that? And it's something that archaeologists, that people who theorise about the past will look at and never ultimately be able to answer. Have they tried astral projection at all? I don't know. <laughs> Just... You might have to ask them. <laughs> Past life regression. Don't do it. Okay. Okay. So, lovely listeners, we think you're going to leave you there just having a think about boats. Is that enough of a think? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Sorry, I was just trying to remember how row, row, row your boat started. Like that. It does. You're right. Yeah. I got there in the end. Good. Not That's that, you know. Jolly lovely to know. Not that you can row, row, row it if you're using it for a burial, obviously. No. And what do they do with all the oars? I don't know. Because, you know, it's... I don't know. Yeah. Never mind. So, lovely listeners, we're going to leave it there for now. Indeed. We're going to throw some links into the description for you to have a wander round so you can have a look at some of these sites for yourselves and have a think about what they mean to you, what parallels you can see, because we can't tell you how to hear them. We cannot. We can't. And you never know. You might come up with something. A, a, a wild <coughs> hypothesis might sparkle across your 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 cerebral cortex one yeah. one you know while you're listening to this and you might think, oh, I think I know a thing. And then you could you could you know you could ring up the British Museum and say, well I think this thing. And they might go, Do you know, we never thought of that. You've cracked it. And then you'll be like um, that lad who, who uh, discovered the comet. Yes. Uh, and it'll all be very, uh, you'll, you'll, be, you'll, be, you'll be rich and famous. It'll be dreadfully exciting. Yes. And yes. people will, will, will uh, chant your name and you'll have ticker tape parades and things. I think you're getting a bit carried away. Am I? Yeah, we'll just stick with the virtual camp. Is there not this much glory in archaeology? No. Oh, shame. There's not a whole lot of glory in archaeology. That's a pity. No. There's usually not enough coffee to go around. It's a <laughs> dire state of affairs. Lovely listeners, we're going to leave you there pondering the wonders of Viking Age boat burials. And these are only a handful of the ones that are out there. Mm. So in a future episode or two, 
we might just be talking a little bit more about the wonders that are in Osberg and why archaeologists are very, very excited about them. I look forward to it. Good show. If you want to find us online, lovely listeners, you can find me. I'm Suzanne Martin. I am on Facebook as Suzanne Martin, or I'm on Twitter at Geetha in Jeans. And if for any reason you want to find me, I am on Facebook as Kate Coldwind, uh, or you can drop by my terrible, terrible blog, glassrain.net, uh, and I will be more than delighted to see you there. So, lovely listeners, we're going to leave you around the virtual campfire and we will talk to you all next time for episode 79 of Frithcast. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.